Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Scran. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and on this episode, you'll hear from the Campbelltown Malts Festival, which returned this year after a two-year absence. I went along to meet with various representatives of the whisky industry in Campbelltown to hear about how the area is experiencing a rebirth and looking towards a very healthy future for whisky production and tourism. First up, I spoke to David Allen, Director of Sales and Marketing at Springbank and Glengyle Distilleries. I asked him about the history of the area and its resurgence as a centre for whisky production on a rather windy day in Campbelltown. We were once the whisky capital of the world. You could sort of stand here at Springbank and throw a stone over to Longnow Distillery from there over to uh, Rhea Clacken, uh, on our doorstep, Haysburn Distillery, lots of distilleries here, and we were a very prosperous little town back in the sort of leading up to the 1920s. In the 1920s, there was a lot of sort of consolidation, prohibition, lots of things conspiring against us. And we were left for many years of just two distilleries, Springbank and Glen Scotia. Our chairman, Mr. Wright, it was his great, great uncle who founded Glengyle Distillery. And when that building came up for sale around the turn of the millennium. He decided to buy the, the building, the site, because it adjoins Springbank site, and he thought, no, we never know what we'll do with that one day, but he's got a policy of um, buying uh, bits of land and property which adjoins onto his, so you can expand into it, or at least control who your neighbour's going to be. At the same time, the Camptown status as a whisky region was up in the air, because we were only two distilleries in a small remote town on the west coast of Scotland it was thought that you know there wasn't enough distilleries here to be a, a standalone region but Mr Wright highlighted to the, the governing body that the lowland region only had three distilleries at this time so surely if Campbellton had one more they'd have to give us the same recognition and the sort of response was well you're not, you're not going to go and build a new distillery just to prove this point are you but it's pretty much essentially what he did we revived or resurrected Glengyle and got the stills running the year 2000 to be you know, the, the first new distillery of the millennium and safeguard Campton status as a whisky region. There's been a bit of a resurgence. There's sort of two or three distilleries in the pipeline at different stages of sort of planning or whatever, but it's going to be a good boost to the region. And Campton, I think, is catching up with the rest of Scotland, which has seen a resurgence in new whisky distilleries. Uh, it's about time they sort of found Campbelltown again. I asked David if he felt local whisky producers were supportive of each other and how he expects the festival to go. The Scotch whisky is quite good as we have this sort of good collaboration and we're a united front internationally. And the same goes for, for Campbelltown that we'll have this sort of collective um, goal where we're building up the reputation of Campbelltown again. And at our open day tomorrow, we'll have some of the new distilleries uh, here talking about their new distilleries. So yeah, absolutely we welcome these guys. We have quite small allocations of, of stock right now, so we can't necessarily grow our business through selling more whiskey or promoting Springbank or Kilkerran. But what we can do is encourage people to come to visit us, spend money on tours and our washback bar and our shop, 
also the, the community benefits from people staying in hotels and eating out in restaurants. And when we have more distilleries, we're going to stay here not for just one or two days to visit ourselves in Glen Scotia. They're going to stay here and visit lots more distilleries and the town's going to benefit from that. I wondered whether there'd been a specific point in time when Springbank had become quite sought after. It's always been a sort of upward tra trajectory, I think, since I've worked here in terms of demand. When I started working at Springbank, it was so much, uh, so this is back in 2013, it was still a hand sell. And maybe Springbank would sell it, but maybe Longmore or Hazeburn wasn't quite as popular. And it's slowly sort of been ramping up. And then I don't know what happened during lockdown, <laughs> but every, everybody decided to be at home, I think, and ordering whiskey online or researching whiskey and become massive whiskey fans and Springbank fans. And we've seen a lot of sort of this pent-up demand uh, as things have opened up. And now it's, uh, this is the, the most demand, the craziest it's ever been for us, certainly. Yeah, and that's yeah, reflected in the, the queue standing out the, the shop right now at uh, quarter to five on a, a Wednesday afternoon. So tomorrow's our big Springbank day, so it's all about Springbank. We've got plenty of tastings going on, a special tasting with our new 30-year-old uh, Springbank. We've got our directors of production, director of production doing an art and science thing. There's something for everyone, new and forthcoming releases. We've got a festival bottlings uh, on sale as well. So tomorrow will be a busy day. And then on the Friday, we've got our Glengyle, so our Kilcairn single malt made at Glengyle, and our independent bottler, which is our sister company, they have their open day uh, on the Friday as well. So again, it's a busy day, maybe not quite as busy as today. Having said that, I think this will be one of the busiest years for it. Next up, I chatted to Ian McAllister, Master Distiller at Glen Scotia. We're back at in-person events at the Camelton Malts Festival, so how does that feel for the first time in two years? Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. It's great to be back. It's great to see happy, smiling faces. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Fantastic feeling. And how's it kind of grown over the years, obviously, up to not including the pandemic? Like how, how's the festival kind of evolved? Oh, the festival. I mean, the, the beauty of the festival at Glen Scotia is, and it's obviously the Campbelltown's Malt Festival comes under that umbrella, Glen Scotia Malts Festival. Glen Scotia was really not part of that in the early days, you know, so we used to be here going about our business in the, the early days. We would see all these people arriving in Campbelltown to participate. So, yeah, it, it's wonderful for us. It's been a... It's been a a process of evolution, I think. You know, we've obviously we've obviously learned every year. It's 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 went on. We've obviously built on it and developed it to where we are um, today. So yeah, it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. And how long have you worked here? I've been here for fifteen years now. Came from an engineering background with a, a water provider. It's the best way of describing it. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I started back in the era when uh, Glen Scotia was producing 80,000 litres. There was three guys, including myself here. I left a perfectly good job to come into the industry. Uh, I think the people thought I was mad when I was told them I was leaving the job I was in. And I think the people thought I was mad who were in here working at the time when I told them I was coming in. So yeah, it, it was pretty much a baptism by fire for me and... Um, Wonderful, wonderful industry, wonderful experience. And I've obviously got to witness the distillery growing, develop, 
and reach obviously the heady heights of world success. Brilliant. And what made you want to come into the whisky industry? I've always had a love for whisky. N- not, not that I like drinking a lot, but I've always had a love for whisky, uh, coupled with the history, the history of my hometown. So I think these two factors drove me, um, you know, to obviously get involved in the the whisky industry, so it's been absolutely fantastic. And so you're from Campbelltown? Yes, yes, I was born in Campbelltown. I was brought up in Carradale, which is a small village slightly further north. But yeah, this has been my neck of the woods, Campbelltown. And was there one specific whisky that you thought, this is the one for me that's kind of led you on the journey to where you're now? Yeah, I mean, the, there's there's been a lot of whiskies. You know, some of the whiskies produced nowadays are fantastic but in the early days for me a lot of the Ailey whiskies really caught my attention a lot of the older whiskies and there were some Talisker's you know some incredibly interesting fruity whiskies totally different from what you're getting today from a lot of distilleries but a lot of these older whiskies really you know I really found interest and so, but yeah it's, it's, it's hard to pin one whiskey down yeah, for sure um, it's just the whole the whole ethos of the industry really caught my attention. Yeah, and obviously coming from round about here and the history of the place, how does it feel to work for one of the few, well, the two originals that are left? Yeah, it's it's special. You know, it's special. It almost was special. Uh, when I started, it was Loch Lomond Distillers. Now it's Loch Lomond Group. Glen Scotia has always had that Campbelltown association for a long time now, you know, really since uh, way back, well over 100 years now, when you consider it. So it's always been special. Obviously, if it was a fully functioning distillery, where it should be, you know, the height, its power, its confidence back, then it would probably be slightly different for me. The fact that it's, it was down in its luck, no one really came here, no one visited, then it, it's, it's even more special for me that I've seen it, you know, obviously grow, get its confidence back, develop, and obviously move into its rightful place as one of the distilleries in Campbelltown. So Campbelltown is a whisky, acknowledged whisky region, but obviously it's a place. What is a, a sort of traditional Campbelltown whisky? What, what, would, what would the main tasting notes or the main sort of things to look for be? Yeah, a good question. I mean, Campbelltown, obviously, the, there's three distilleries in Campbelltown at the moment. There's potentially going to be uh, more. So, you're, you know, there's a kind of certain similarities about them all, for sure. You know, that coastal effect, Campbelltown effect. So when you consider Glen Scotia, absolutely, you've got a robustness, you've got a, a lovely viscosity, you know, there's oils there, there's salinity. But importantly, you've got that wonderful fruit flavours, you know, so you should get a lovely through fermentation uh, extension of the, that whisky experience, if you like. So you're really looking for that. Sometimes it can be, you know, with certain casks getting a bit funky, a bit dirty, a bit peaty, you know, so when you consider all that, then you're really looking at your ideal Campbellton whisky. Um, and you've touched on the sort of potential new distilleries that are coming. How, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like Campbelltown's back on the up? Absolutely. It's It's got its confidence back. You know, it really has got its confidence back. You know, there is an air of... Uh, and it's not just whisky in Campbelltown. You know, obviously there's, there's a lot happening with, uh, you know, world events and, and people are moving. People are obviously, you know, they're... they're 
um, they're changing their habits potentially. Whiskey's obviously not unlike that. You know, the, there is an element of it's developing. It certainly is. You know, it's it's certainly a renaissance. The word it's bandied about now with Campbelltown. Absolutely, uh, and it's it's wonderful to see it developing the way it has. It's been a long time coming, to be fair, but it's finally got here. I think it was just a matter of time, a time before it actually did get to Campbelltown yeah. and not other places. So, because there was a lot of distilleries here. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah, potentially up to thirty-six different distilleries here. You know, at one time there could be 22 distilleries running, as I say, in the, you know, the, the latter half of the 19th century. So it was pretty unique for a town, mm-hmm. a region, to have all these distilleries working in one small area. It's a ready-made history. It has got all the basis for a, any potential distiller to obviously make their mark. It's funny to think there were so many distilleries. They've obviously, the majority of them have gone and then new ones are being built like the, the buildings and everything's gone it's funny like if they just kept them kept <laughs> the belt. shut them down and, and yeah well I know hindsight's a great <laughs> thing isn't it you know and unfortunately when a lot of the closures happened you know obviously the you go back to the 1920s early 20s then it, it was a tough old world you know the world events into the you know Depression, end of World War One, Prohibition, slightly further on. There was a lot of different elements that really, you know, there was no room for any romanticism or anything like that with industry. The industry was gone, that was it. It was, it was dead, it was buried. People had to move on, you know, people had to live. Because it, it, don't get me wrong, you know, it was a tough industry. It really was a tough industry. Until quite recently. You know, it had a lot of issues. So... It's good to see, you know, that obviously that is that is changed and people are looking what's left historically and potentially, you know, physically mm. and trying to obviously incorporate that in their potential plans. You've won a couple of awards recently. So 25 year old was the best whiskey in the world and the best distillery, the... Whiskey awards. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. What, yeah. would, what does that mean for the team? Fantastic, isn't it? You know, it's obviously it's a new experience for us. You know, winning gold medals—it's it's never happened before. So yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful, obviously, to see the team getting rewarded for all the hard work and all that all that investment. It's obviously behind Glen Scotia. You know, so it's it's fantastic to see. It really is. You know, and it's it's something really consolidates the progress that we've made to date so we can build on that and push forward again. So, as I say, winning World Whiskey of the Year out of 3,000 plus whiskies at the San Francisco Spirits Award 2021 was obviously um, a high point and something special. And again, obviously, the Scottish Whiskey Distillery of the Year, the Scottish Whiskey Award. Some serious heavyweights in there, so yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful to see and what a journey. Yeah, and it's still pretty accessible. I mean. You've probably asked this a lot, but Springbank's become, you know, people are really going mad for that and it's quite hard to get, whereas Glen Scotia, you're, it's, it's accessible. I mean, people who want to buy it, they can buy the full range. I mean, you know, you've got your festival bottlings, which we can see behind you. I know I've got 
the last year's one with the um, Burgundy cask, which was uh, Burgundy finished already, which was lovely. But it's not unachievable for people to be like, I'm going out and buying that and trying it and enjoying it. No, that that's right. You know, and it's good to see. You know, and I think that's really important. You know, because it, there is an element of Campbelltown. You know, three distilleries. The production level's not even a million liters, so there is a demand for Campbelltown. Potentially, it's, that demand's going to go up because it's just there's not the production here you know it's 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 a small small region uh it's an interesting region it's a region that's really caught the public psyche everyone's really interested in it so it's it's good that obviously we obviously released this year the the eight-year-old px hogshead finish so it was good that obviously we can release bottles like that and potentially you've got twenty thousand plus bottles which will hopefully meet the demand for a little while ultimately it does disappear i think that's important i think it is important that you know whiskey you don't create the hype and the desire to have a bottle and then you find out you can't get it because there's nothing worse yeah. you're telling someone well you can't get a bottle so so it's important that obviously it's accessible i mean do you think that's what the tipping point is but this is the supply and demand if when there's not not a lot of supply but a lot of demand is that the tipping point that turns certain bottles or certain distilleries into you know the thing to try and cure in the street for i i think so i think you know i think when you've got a, a certain production level with any bottling you know if you've if you've got a limited amount and obviously there is that de desire you know whether it's for consumption or whether it's for other means then it's you know it's it's obviously going to drive that demand to people to maybe go to extreme lengths to get a bottle, which is, in fairness, it's 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 no fault of any distillery. It's just the demand for yeah. it. So yeah, it's, it's it's a difficult one. It really is, and I, I hope we don't go down that route. You know, and as I say, a lot of that's out with our control. You know, wh what happens with the the bottles you know for me personally you know the whiskey is for for enjoying and uh, celebrating the you know the, the the different aspects of the distillery well thank you very much my pleasure thank you Rosalind thank you. lovely talking to you Becky Paskin who is a whiskey expert and writer told me about her role in the festival and what it's like to be back after two years away During the Camelltown Malts Festival, I've been running a seminar whiskey tasting called The Whiskey Experiment, and it's a bit out there, a bit wild, and we're inviting people to come into this cool warehouse. It's a racked warehouse full of casks, and we've turned all the lights out, and we've turned it into a kind of tasting lounge where we are messing with people's perception of flavor. So we're not changing anything that's in the glass, but we're changing their environment. And asking them to think about flavour in a very different way. It's really cool, there's some very confused faces, but ultimately it's a really interesting experiment to really understand how our environment affects our own perception of flavour. To be back here after two years, after such an awful couple of years where we've had to stay away is just magical. It's amazing, the people here really make Campbelltown and to see it all come to life again, people milling about in the courtyard at Glen Scotia and the streets full, the hotels are full, there are queues outside the whiskey shops, people buying bottles. It's, it's what this town was made for, this is a whiskey town. So to see it being brought back to life for the Campbelltown Malts Festival is just so special. I'm so excited for the future of Campbelltown because 
we've got a couple of distilleries that are in planning stages so hopefully they're opening in the next year or two uh, I've heard rumours of others wanting to come to town as well there's the Virgin Galactic base nearby by the airport as well that's happening too and I just think the more projects that can come to this town which was once the epicentre of the whiskey industry to bring back the economy to bring back the life to Campbelltown is just so exciting and you can you can feel it here there's such a buzz of anticipation in the air it's it's exciting it's brilliant what's interesting is that once upon a time Campbelltown whiskey was not really deemed suitable for blending because the palette of the Americans and of the English was for really light style blended whiskey but now we're in an era where single malt is really revered and actually people are wanting those full-bodied oily styles of whiskey and that is Campbelltown. Campbelltown has that in spades so why would you not want to see more of those whiskies on the market so I really do think there's a renaissance here for, for Campbelltown. Becky runs our whiskey a whisky subscription club which aims to attract all types of whisky drinkers, from novices to collectors. I asked her what our plans for the future were for our whisky. Our whisky is growing so rapidly. It's so fun to see the subscription club is growing and it's so exciting. We've had some amazing whiskies so far. Our first batch was with JJ Corey and uh, Coach Built. So we had Jensen Button on our first tasting. And this month we have Glen Scotia and Ardbeg's festival bottlings as well. So it's actually, I think the only subscription club where you can taste those festival bottlings, which is really fun. And going forward, we just really want to select some amazing whiskies for the community that, that are supporting us, that are rallying around us, because we are a whiskey club for everybody. So we're really looking to our subscribers to tell us what they want to taste next. So I can't tell you what's next because it's up to it's up to the subscribers to tell us. So, but it's such a exciting subscription club. I'm really happy to be a part of it. The Our Whiskey Foundation is also going really well. We've just had our first intake of mentees for our mentorship program. We've had around 42 applications from around the world, from Canada to Australia, Africa, Finland, America, uh, India, all over the place. Women who are looking for the next step in their career or advice to progress. And we've been able to match them with mentors from across the industry and hopefully we'll start to really nurture the next generation of women in our industry, which is super exciting. There's lots more plans to come. I can't talk about it just yet, but there's lots on the cards. So, bright future. My next stop was to sit down with whiskey writer, expert and all-round aficionado, Charles McLean, who has been involved with the festival since its inception. Okay, so I'm now joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Charles McLean. <laughs> How are you? I'm fine. I've had a, I've had a, a long day of, of whisky tasting and, and presenting whiskies at at, uh, at Glen Scotia Distillery in Campbelltown, where I am for the for the the Campbelltown Whisky Festival. The, there's a great sense of release here, you know, that the the not only because they've been locked down. I've been helping with the Campbelltown Whisky Festival for, since it started. So it's an amazing place, and now the good news is there are three distilleries currently in Campbelltown and Springbank, Glen Scotia, and uh, Glen Gyle. There are another two that will go ahead and another, a further two which are proposed. And so, if you like, the, there's a renaissance in, in distilling in Campbelltown. Campbelltown, of course, is 
one of the five whiskey regions, even though there was only three, three distilleries. In the late 19th century, there were 38 distilleries. It was the whiskey capital. Then it declined, and by 1930, there were only three, Scotia, Springbank, and one called Rehlachen, which closed in 1934. So it, it's had its ups and downs, and it became really because of, not, not only because of the whiskey, but the fishing. It became rather depressed. I mean, I've known Campbelltown for 30, 30 more years, and the, uh, and it was a shabby old place, and the fishing was down, and the economy was down, everything was very depressed. But my goodness me, it's really picked up. In recent years, and I would say probably in the last 10, 15 years, and it's, it's a, a vibrant place, and the people... They're called Tunis. The people that live in Campbelltown are called Tunis. And everybody knows everybody. Everybody's at school with everybody. Everybody, they're so cheery and friendly and so knowledgeable and proud of their town, especially since, the, the, since it's you know, pulled itself up by its bootstraps, as it were. I asked Charles whether he thinks the festival is set to grow, considering Campbelltown's renaissance as a whiskey region. Undoubtedly. I mean, look, look, look what's happened in Isla. I mean, they've been, they've been very clever placing this very small whiskey festival here the week before the massive Fesh Isla. And so a lot of the overseas enthusiasts will go on to Isla, and that's, of course, a whole week. And, I mean, hundreds of people, I mean, thousands of people arrive on Isla for, for the Fesh Isla. Obviously, Campbelltown will never be as big, but in many ways that's an advantage because it's more intimate and the welcome is the same as the visitors get on Isla. But I think as, as, as more distilleries are commissioned in Campbelltown or nearby, it'll attract m many more people, possibly en route to Isla, possibly just as a, as a pilgrimage destination in its own right. I wondered what Charles thought of the current state of the whisky industry, considering the current boom. He recounts some of the trends over the years that may signal a bust will come at some stage. It's bound to be worrying because the, the history of the whisky industry is, is one of booms and busts. The big boom in the 1890s collapsed disastrously in 1900. Change in fashion, overproduction, and there was a terrific scandal in 1899, which destroyed confidence in the whiskey industry. And then after the Second World War, where the stocks were severely depleted, Scotch whiskey, blended Scotch, was the, the drink of the free world. Not only, well, in America, the Scotch whiskey companies had to sell well, initially, just immediately after the war, 75% of their releases to America to help repay the war debt. And that declined to about 25, over, over let's the next 10 years, it was down to about 25%. But there was a chronic shortage because barley was rationed for distilling until, I think, 1952, it was either 52 or 54. It couldn't even make enough spirit. It became the drink of the free world, post-fascist world, not only in America but, and in the UK, but in Italy, France, and even Germany. A gentleman told me who was an Italian, I said, how do you, how do you account for that in Italy? It's easy, he said. It was advertised by Hollywood and introduced by the GIs, the, the liberating forces coming into Italy. Um, actually, I, I later learned that the GIs drank bourbon, but their officers drank scotch. <laughs> And so there was a huge boom after the war, which led to you know, massive you know, expansion and production expansion and so on, so on, so on, to meet the, the demand. 
And then fashion changed towards the end of the, which were the early 80s. And lo and behold, you've got the same problem as they had in 1900, the massive overproduction, far much more mature whiskey than was required to meet demand. And so plunging, there was something like 20, 22 distilleries closed in 1983 and 1985. And so it was a dire time. But the industry managed to get things balanced up. And then again, then in the 90s, you, you began to, well, in the 80s and 90s, you really got the beginning of malt whiskey coming on. And so we're in a situation now, a growth such as has never been history, never been seen before in the history of the industry. I know of 42 new distilleries commissioned since 2008. I know of another 40 which are proposed. Many of them won't come about. The big question is, will the world suck up all the Scotch whiskey that's going to be made? Hi, my name is Matt Lurin, New York City in New York. This is, I think, my eighth time to Campbelltown. I've been coming out since 2012 every year for the festival, having a great time each year. It feels incredible. I mean, it's so good. I mean, I've still been drinking the whiskey back home, but there's something about seeing it with the people and enjoying it with everybody, going into the warehouses, trying the different experiences, having a great time. Ian Croucher, co-director of Dalriata, told me about the new whiskey and plans for their Campbelltown distillery. Yeah, myself and my co-director, Ronnie Grant, we are both whiskey enthusiasts at heart, and I firmly believe that Campbelltown produces some of the most finest whiskey, that Scotch whiskey that is um, available to man. Now, what you've got to understand about Campbelltown is it is the most beautiful town in Scotland. Uh, in my opinion, without question, the everything about it. Now you're starting with the whiskey, then you're thinking about the, the views and then the people and the speed of which all of these things work together in tandem. It is a perfect place to make whiskey. The history from over 30 distilleries in Campbelltown in 1929 before that, I just think it lends itself to needing a resurgence. It needs people that want to create, have the, the ability to create, and that are blessed to be in a position to invest something in a town like Campbelltown. It is perfect. Okay, Isla, great. What a wonderful place to make whiskey and the product's great. Speyside is amazing also. It's got its qualities. But it's incredible how Campbelltown has yet to have this interest of people investing in it. But now it's gonna happen. Now it's gonna be, Campbelltown is the new Isla. Just you wait, it's gonna, it's gonna be great. It's not just Dalriata, it's, uh, there's other people, there's Rasse Distillery, they're building this magnificent place in Makarhanish, which is beyond exciting, right next to the airport. It is, it's Campbelltown's time, you know, Campbelltown's time. We would very much be sticking to the Campbelltown way of life and Campbelltown flavor, and I think we would be absolutely mad to go down any other route. That is why we're here. We love that salty air, the western seaboard kind of maturation, all the, the slow distillation, the slow way of life, everything is just slower. And that slow, kind of wonderful, true, lovely kind of creative lifestyle lends itself to whiskey. So it's not broken, we're not gonna fix it. Let's just do it slow, get it right. Let's make some mistakes. 
Let's make things perfect. Let's just do everything we can to make something truly wonderful and honest that people will hopefully believe in. I asked Ian what it's like working alongside the other more established distilleries. The other distilleries in Campbelltown, Glen Gyle, Springbank and Glen Scotia, they're just, you know, I mean, as uh, growing up and getting, becoming more of a whiskey enthusiast, these were godlike companies that I just, uh, I had so much admiration for. And the distiller of Glen Scotia, especially Ian McAllister, he's just an absolute legend of the highest degree. I mean, my, my child, when she was about two months old, her first distillery tour was Glen Scotia, and Ian McAllister was the kind gentleman that uh, was so generous with his time showing us round. So that is just a great ambassador for Campbelltown. These types of people, these types of places that you go, Springbank again, wow. I mean, what a wonderful operation. And all these people could not be happier that, as far as I am aware, that there's another string to the bow of people coming in. Hopefully people will come in and there's more reason to come to Campbelltown now. Springbank, Glen Scotia could not be more open arms to us. As Campbelltown is set for this renaissance, I asked Ian what people could expect. It's small by size, but not by love, you know, and not by power and not by flavour. It's like, it's just one of these like amazing things that is behind the curtain of whiskey, you know, and there's so many enthusiasts that know what's behind that curtain. You know, they know what the secrets of Campbelltown. But I think the more and more people that invest and visit, and come and they realize what's behind that curtain. It's, uh, it's magical, it's absolutely magical and I can't wait to share it. My final stop on my trip to the Campbelltown Malts Festival was to have a chat with the artist in residence at Glen Scotia, Alice Angus. I asked her how she'd come to the role and what it consisted of. I got contacted by Jen and Nick, who work with Glen Scotia, and they said they wanted to bring on an artist for the festival and to make some new work about Glen Scotia and the sort of everyday life and heritage and the people in Glen Scotia that would become part of packaging for special limited edition bottling and would be paintings and work that they would tour to different whiskey festivals and that they would launch some of it at the festival here. And so we had a conversation about what that might be and it ended up being an artist in residence. Being incredible, I'd always wanted to be like in my fantasy world, an artist in residence in a distillery were <laughs> like high on the list. So when they first got in touch, I wasn't quite sure if it was real or not. And because of COVID and all the restrictions and people getting ill, we were quite late starting. And it wasn't really until I got here that I realized it was real. But it's been amazing. And the reason, the reason it's been such a rewarding project to work on is because the people in the distillery have been so welcoming. In my work, I quite often go and work in people's places of work and pretty much people are always welcoming, but you never know what it's going to be like and whether you're going to be havering around drawing and it's actually going to make someone really uncomfortable and they're not going to want you there. I'm quite open about my drawing, so I always let people see what I'm doing and I chat about it and I use it as a way to tell stories and get to know people. Um, and the people here, every one of the small team that work in Glen Scotian were all really welcoming, I would say, tell me if I'm in your way sitting here. And they would always go, no, no, you're not in our way. Even though I probably was in their way and they would climb around me and they're going, no, no, you're not in our way. And so as it developed, I, I came here for 
like a week to 10 days at a time. And I'd produce drawings on always on site, always from life. Um, and then I would let people see the drawings or I'd chat to them about something. And then they would tell me something else. So I'd been drawing Archie filling and then we go into a conversation about the smells of the whiskey in the different parts of the distillery. And he said, oh, Warehouse One is amazing because it smells different at different times of year and at different levels. So then I went to draw Warehouse One and sat in there and experienced that. And so that happened quite often or I would be drawing bits of engineering and someone would come along and tell me the names of those and what they did. And then I'd consequently go and draw some more. So in, a, in that sort of organic way, the four works that are going to be on the packaging and the, the big paintings that Glen Scotia are going to be touring, they evolved from all those conversations. So it, all the things that people told me have kind of come into that. And, and I don't think that would have been possible if they hadn't been so welcoming and so keen to kind of share their passion for what they do. And the other thing that really struck me is how committed and dedicated everyone is. So right, it's a job and it's a 12 hour shift and it must be hard work and tiring and sometimes you don't want to come to work. But everyone that I spoke to or observed while they're here, they really take seriously taking care of what they produce. And, and I think that's part of maybe having, being like, caring about your community and having a pride in community. And that was really inspiring. And it's kind of something really important. And I think that's why the distilleries like this, although they go through ups and downs, survive. Because when they're in the downs and the whiskey's not producing, there are still casks in the warehouses that someone's looking after. So things are kind of handed from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. So there's all this sort of commitment and care and dedication that goes into it. Drawing is always part of my practice and I've always got in my mind things that I want to push in my drawing as drawing as a practice rather than an, as to illustrate something. And some of my drawing is very abstract and based on sounds and some of it's really incredibly realistic. And when I got here, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do, but my first week in the distillery, it's such a complicated space. There's, there's perspectives and like masses of ellipses at different angles. There's lots of big circular things. There's things that travel through two or three floors. So there's like interesting verticals. But then there's also masses of smells that are unfamiliar, vibrations through the floor because it's sort of like an engine room. And there's people and the people are doing things that you haven't seen bodies do before. So that's unfamiliar as well. Yes, yeah, so there's smell and sound and vibration and visual stimulus. So I had to strip it right back at the beginning and I just did these pencil drawings, which some ended up being very detailed because I love engineering, but also it gave me an opportunity to just sit somewhere and just quietly start to take it all in. And then I started to bring in more expressive things and more color slightly later on. And at the same time as doing these quite sort of delicate pencil drawings, I would also have my sketchbook on me with a kind of bigger, rougher implement. And when someone would get up to do something, I would sketch. Because on a 12 hour shift in the still room, for instance, the still person will sit still for a while. And when something changes, like a smell or a sound, they'll get up and they'll do things, but they don't necessarily do them for, they don't necessarily do the same thing over and over again. So as an artist, you sometimes have to see the same thing a few times to draw it. So it was good to have 
practice where I was drawing something like just drawing the stills and then I could move from that to drawing Sean when he was doing things and then I could move back to drawing the stills. And then I would show those drawings to people and they'd tell me stories and then I'd go on to the next thing. So it's like a circular process. I asked Alice if this role had changed her perspective on whiskey and what would happen to the work she had completed as part of her residency. I don't drink a lot of anything actually, but I love the smell of whiskey and I like to have a taste of whiskey and I'm really, I think it's amazing the, it's amazing the way of whiskey tasters and experts talk about it, but I've always loved a distillery tour and I love the, I love the mixture of ancient technology and modern technology that is evident in a distillery. It's kind of like farming, you've got the ancient and the modern. And so I've always really, really appreciated it. It's given me a really, a really kind of deeper perspective on it, partly because while I've been here, I've heard a lot of people talking about whiskey, but not, not just talking about it in the way you would in a tasting, but talking a lot about the chemistry, which was very interesting, talking about how the shape of the still affects the whiskey how important the copper is in the production of the whiskey, how different fermentation times change things. And the smell when they're fermenting a peated run really gets into your clothes and it got into all my paper. The other smells did as well, but months later, the one that's really strong is the, the smell of the fermentation of the peated run. And so you start thinking some, there's something about that chemical compound that that's lasts. So actually that has given me a really different appreciation whiskey and then I've been out in Campbelltown drawing wildlife and the sea and every now and again I smell a smell that then reminds me of a taste of the whiskey which is something I'd never done before but I think the thing that I hadn't expected when I came here was the way I would start to recognize smells from the distillery in other things in the world around me and, and not just smells from a finished whiskey, but smells from in the distillery. Like an obvious one is the mushroom smelling of porridge, but then there's all the other, the new make spirit when that comes and the fermentation, which is not the nicest smell, but I kind of like it because it's sort of interesting and it's like lots of different things. And I'd go home and I'd start smelling it in other places. I mean, some of that was because it was on me, but, <laughs> but, but a lot of it was me recognizing it in other things. Well, this work, I think, is going to go to some other places. It's going to go to some other whiskey festivals. I may possibly go to China. Um, so I'm sort of continuing to be involved in it a little bit. Um, I've then got a series of work I'm doing on my own, which is basically bodies in motion. So it's all about people dancing at work, I draw people on, when I'm in London, mudlarking on the River Thames because they're bending down and digging things up. And so I'm starting to bring that whole body of work together. So I'm having a bit of a, after this, I'm going to sort of consolidate some things and then decide where I'm going, what I'm going to do next. Thanks to my guests for being on this episode of Scran and thanks to you for listening. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Scran is a logical podcast that's co-produced and hosted by me, Rosalind Erskine, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Kelly Crichton. Music